Good morning. Uh, for scripture this morning, we're reading from Mark 13, verses 24 through 37. Mark 13, 24 through 37. <coughs> but in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone. Watch. So today, uh, we begin our Advent series, Celebrations, the, the first coming of Jesus Christ, the arrival of the Messiah, the promised one. And so as families and as a congregation uh, over the world, uh, over the next weeks, we remember, we celebrate the Christmas story that happened years ago. The hope of a Messiah fulfilled for all mankind. And, and it was a hope of a nation fulfilled in the birth of Jesus Christ. And so for, for the Jewish nation at that time, as, as now as well, it, it's a f- world filled with challenges, with struggles, but they remembered from teachings of old the promise of a Messiah to provide deliverance and freedom for his children, for those who believed in his name. And so as, as they looked to God for strength and encouragement, they had hope looking forward for a Messiah, even in the midst of their challenging past, persecution from many nations, and at that time, the current Roman rule over their land, the arrival of a Messiah was their hope that they were envisioning, and they were looking forward. So so we view that time, that story, a little different from their perspective. For us, that event of hope, the birth of Jesus Christ, is something we look back at. It's happened. And it's something that we celebrate and we praise God for the life that Jesus led, his, his death, his resurrection, his promise for eternal life beyond the grave. And so as, as Terry and Delane and Andrew led us as we led, uh, lit the candle of hope, our hope is about looking forward and up into our future, beyond today, with reference and knowledge of our past, 
or even our current condition. And if you notice in Mark 13, a scripture that we read today, it starts with an interesting phrase. It says, in those days following that distress. So what what distress was Mark referring to? Uh, Personal distress, physical distress, emotional distress, societal distress. Um, Some versions of Mark 13 with that same set of verses uses the word tribulation. And that's, that's what this will be referring to, tribulation, the time of tribulation prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And if we go further back into that chapter, verses 5 and 6, there's references to false prophets, false messiahs, false teachings that would be happening. Verses 7 and 8 refer to wars and rumors of wars, nation rising against nation, earthquakes, famines. And, and we see those things happening today within our world on a regular basis. And, and it raises a question that has been asked for, for many, many years. Are these signs that Jesus is coming back soon? Are these signs of the end times? Now, verse 9 even goes a little bit further with some of the warnings of what will happen during the end times. Verse 9 warns that followers of Jesus will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. And verse 13 warns us that we will be hated because of our profession of faith in Jesus Christ. References to trials and persecutions. In the United States, we are still able to attend church freely. And I don't know of necessarily the danger of physically being flogged for our faith in the United States here, but there's definitely challenges Outbursts that can occur, whether it's spoken or written. You see things on social media. You see things uh, stated publicly. If you express a biblical viewpoint that may not be socially acceptable, there may be some comments. There may be some ramifications that occur. Persecution, trials. A number of books have been written helping to guide and encourage a Christian's conversation and discussion, entering or encountering those differences and challenges of of those beliefs. Rosaria Butterfield has a new book out entitled Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age. And just the, the title alone alludes that there are conflicts within our culture, clearly contrary to a traditional Christian biblical viewpoint. Gregory Keckel, author of Tactics, and, and Tactics was a book that um, many of you studied in a Wednesday night class a couple years ago. He has another book that is published just this past year called Street Smarts. And, and these books and other resources which um, you know, come out regular basis and, and aren't just new. They've been, you know, some of these have been around for a number of years. They've been created, they've been made available as a response to the increased challenge to professing a Christian life in today's culture and society. Being hated, being ridiculed, labeled as a hater because of a profession and faith in Jesus and his teachings is becoming more and more a reality each day. It does happen. And at this time, those of us living in the United States 
we still have it relatively easy compared to other places around the world. The Voice of the Martyrs is a missionary organization that was founded back in 1967 to give a voice to individuals and groups worldwide that are being persecuted and have been persecuted for their faith. November 21, their, their blog email, and I, and I get this on a regular basis, tells this story of Yah, a woman from Laos. And I'll read part of this. In her Laotian village, Yah grew up in a well-off family. Her father's government job brought in a good income and other privileges. But Yah did not feel free. Like many Laotians, she and her family were bound up in animistic rituals, the worship of local spirits that requires regular sacrifices. Yah married and had children, but she still was not free. Then in 2019... Yah found freedom in Jesus Christ and put her trust in him. But her husband and his parents opposed this. They abused and rejected her, believing she would bring the anger of the spirits down on their family. And eventually her husband divorced her, driving her and their three children away from their home. Devastated, Yah turned to her own parents for help, but they too wanted nothing to do with her and her foreign faith. They mocked her and refused to shelter her out of fear of losing their income and angering the spirits. Now you are God's daughter and not our daughter anymore, her father said. Let God's people help you instead of us. And the body of Christ, with the support of friends, did support and respond to Yah's needs. Her pastor and members of local churches helped Yah secure land Voice of the Martyrs has helped meet the physical and spiritual needs of her family in their new home while Yah works, raises her children, and saves money to complete the house and pay back loans. As a result, Yah and her children know they are beloved members of God's family with a home and a greater hope. And the P.S. at the end of the email says this, just as Joseph and Mary fled from Herod, Christians today are forced to flee their country or even their own home because of their faith in Christ. Those things are happening. According to David B. Barrett in his book, Today's Martyrs, about 165,000 Christians died for their faith in the year 2000. Estimates from researchers claim that since the day of Pentecost, many, many years ago, over 43 million Christians have been killed for their faith. Todd Nettleton, radio host for Voice of the Martyrs, put together a book of 40 stories from around the world of persecution in hostile and restricted countries entitled When Faith is Forbidden. And I've read some of those stories over the last weeks here. Those stories are tragic, they're horrifying, but even more so, and above that, they are encouraging and inspiring because of the faith and the hope that individuals are living out with faith in God. Now, now we may not be persecuted in the same degree as many individuals around the world, but we can also become discouraged. We can become distracted by the distresses within our daily lives and our daily walk with God. And we can start to lose hope So today, and as we start 
our season of Advent, we are claiming, we're looking to hope. And so we lit the candle of hope today. Today we seek to claim hope within a world that continues to be troubled. We pray for those that are being persecuted in horrible ways. We lift them up in prayer. We need to support them. But today we also claim hope within our own daily lives where we have our own heartaches, our own challenges, our distressing situations. And with any trouble we may face, there is hope for those who believe in a God who is powerful beyond this world. And during times of struggle, that's when a good reminder of God's ultimate promise of his glory can come as we read the verses 26 and 27 from today's scripture. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. The second coming of Jesus Christ will happen. It will be a glorious, it will be a powerful event. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 describes it this way. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Revelation 1, 7, John prophesies this. He says, look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. That's a vision of hope in Christ. His glorious second coming and the promise from John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ came for us. That is our hope. That's God's promise beyond any of the distresses that we encounter through our days. And non-believers don't have that same consideration of hope. For many non-believers, life's trials are simply something to endure while on this face of the earth. And life is something to experience, to live out. But once you're dead, hopefully you've lived well, you've made a good impression on this earth somehow, some way, and then you're dead. That's not what we believe. There's a bigger hope. There's a bigger purpose. Brant Errett um, from Wreath Roar Errett Funeral Home has commented on the difference that he has seen between viewings and funerals of believers in Jesus Christ and those who are not believers. Brant has observed much more crying and wailing from families that don't have the same hope in Jesus Christ that we hold. We claim and we know the love of God that is personal and eternal. And we have hope that most of this world doesn't understand. So when do we get to celebrate this second coming? We we know that God is walking with us. We've been promised that. But when does this second coming occur? When is this description? Well, as we anticipate and look forward, yeah, what when? When's the date? When's the time? And a simple answer, you you guys know this, I don't know the answer, and you don't know the answer. 
And all of the predictions that have been made in the past of here's the time when Jesus Christ is coming, they've been wrong. No one knows. But we've definitely been warned that it's going to happen. And we're told, anticipate it. Be alert. Be awake. Be aware. Mark 13, 32 and 33, we read this. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. Verses 36 and 37, Jesus warned further, if he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. Be alert, be aware. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. So what I, is clearly here in this, these messages, don't be distressed to the point of being distracted and lose hope. Be prepared, be ready. But be hopeful, be anticipating, and live now to honor and glorify God. Now, when I feel myself becoming distracted and losing hope, my eyes tend to be looking back at something that may have happened to me, bemoaning my circumstances, events, uh, maybe becoming angry, anxious, frustrated, and feeling that, okay, there's just not a way out of whatever predicament I may be finding myself in. And I also tend to be looking down at my immediate surroundings, focused on details that are happening to me. And many times I'm trying to figure it out by myself. And and too many times if, if we're trying to figure out by ourselves, we get into what I would call survival mode. And in survival mode, there's a fight or flight that that we can enter into mentally, emotionally. We need to not be relying upon ourselves. Our eyes need to be focused elsewhere. On God, on Christ, on his holy word, on the Bible. Using encouragement from scripture, the promise of scripture. I would say our eyes need to be in the same direction that the Israelites, the Jews in Jesus' time, were to be directed, forward and up. Which sounds easy. And it's just like that baseball coach yelling from the dugout, keep your eye on the ball. How many of you have heard that or said that yourself? Keep your eye on the ball. As a player, I would hear that and I think, duh, I'm trying. But I would also say as a coach, I've said that same thing or versions of that. Keep your eye on the ball. And just like athletes in the middle of a game, we get distracted, we get distressed. And we do need reminders, we do need encouragement. Mike Livingstone is a pastor and missionary who served with his family in Kenya. He also writes for Lifeway. Uh, Lifeway is the publisher of the Gospel Project and Explore the Bible Sunday School curriculum that we've used and are currently using. Livingstone wrote an article for the Lifeway blog back in 2019 entitled Seven Ways to Prepare for Jesus' Return that is based on this same scripture, Mark 13, 24 through 37. 
And I want to use his seven ways here and explain a little bit of what each of these would mean as well. Seven ways to prepare for Jesus' return. Number one, live in the light of his first coming. Jesus' first coming mattered. He was sent to earth as God incarnate. He lived, he died, he rose again. His first coming is something that we are celebrating with Christmas, with the Advent season. His holiness is to be honored and worshiped. But recognize he's part of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus is to be fully recognized as Messiah and Savior of this world. He is who he said he was and always will be. And we must claim that Jesus Christ is Lord of all and not be ashamed of that. Claim that first coming of Jesus Christ. Second, be discerning. As we saw in the scripture that we read today, there will be false prophets, there will be false teachings, there will be lies that uh, are going to be happening, and those will try to skew the truth of God's word. Mark 13 had those, 2 Thessalonians 2 has similar warnings to not be deceived. So be discerning. Use God's words, fellow believers, to do that, to not lose hope. Third, accept the uncertainties. We don't know all the answers. No one knows the day that Christ will be coming. There are many books, videos, a lot of information about the end times, and those are interesting. Those are, you know, they're, they're cool to read through and recognize and try to see what is happening compared to what the biblical perspective may be and, and the scripture will be. Be aware, but understand that we don't fully know. Be alert, be accepting. No one knows the day, but be aware within that process of accepting the uncertainties. Fourth, and this will be the part that's directly tied to what we're talking about today, don't lose hope. The distresses of life can get us down. And just as those that uh, the martyrs, you know, martyrs mirror would be referring to that have lost their life years ago, and those that are going through persecution trials today, we don't want to lose hope. Those are inspiring stories of people being faithful through persecution, through death. The reports and stories of persecution will sadden us, and we may experience some of that ourselves as we seek to follow Christ faithfully. Titus 2, 11 through 13 encourages us to keep that hope by living proper lives for God. So I read this, Titus 2, 11 through 13. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't lose hope. Fifth, encourage one another. Just like predators who seek to isolate prey from the flock, and you've probably seen some 
you know, lions or wolves trying to separate a lamb or an, an elk from everybody else, get them off by themselves. Satan and all his schemes will try to remove believers from support and encouragement as well. He will seek to sow doubt, confusion, disappointment within the church. And verses commanding us to encourage one another are found in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, Romans 1, 11 through 12, Romans 15, 2, Romans 15, 5, 1 Thessalonians 4, 18, 5, 11, encourage one another, be in fellowship with one another. Let us not separate ourselves and allow the devil to divide God's committed community of faith. There's a group of seven men from Yellow Creek here that, that served a Thanksgiving meal to 37 inmates at the Elkhart County Jail. Uh, this, this is past Friday. And at the end of the meal, Corey Martin, the uh, chaplain, had an open mic time where he passed the mic around for any of the inmates or anybody to share. And it was powerful to hear some of the stories and the appreciation for community that the inmates had for one another and for the program of faith that Corey Martin and, and others that are with Corey have brought into the jail. The most frequent word that was used as the mic was passed was hope. And I was attuned to that word because of today, knowing that hope was gonna be the topic. But they used that word repeatedly. By going into jail, many of them had lost hope. They have a new hope based on Jesus Christ, but encouragement with a community of believers that they have within their pod. They have claimed that new hope in a challenging time. And we need to be ready to do that as well. Don't lose hope and encourage one another as we not, as we're not losing hope. Sixth, live as if today was the day of Jesus' return. Anticipate with joy and expectancy his second coming. Each time you see those sun rays coming down through the clouds, when that happens, I see Jesus coming down on, the, on that ray of sun. Well, why do I wait for the ray of sun to remind myself of that? Every day, anticipate. Today could be the day. But then finally, number seven, don't just wait for the rays of sun to be shining down. Number seven, keep on doing the work Jesus left us to do. Regardless of, and, and maybe I should say in the face of persecution, distress, hardships, discouragement, keep living as God has called us to live faithfully following his teachings, humbly and patiently living in fellowship with one another, removing distractions that come into our path, maybe even things that I kind of allow to come into my path that are stumbling blocks, pride, anger, jealousy, reliance upon prosperity, reliance upon myself to figure everything out. 
Share the good news. But keep doing the work God left us to do. Livingstone's article closes with, with these seven things, with, with this paragraph. He makes the observation. He said, before ascending into heaven, Jesus gave the church its marching orders. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The very next verses, that would have been from Acts 1.8, the very next verses report that the disciples just stood there looking up into the sky. And two angels appeared and spoke the words that the church today needs to hear. Why are you standing there gazing into heaven? Now we're told to watch. We're told to be alert. And we can be amazed and we can look at the sun rays and you know, anticipate God's coming back. But if that's what I'm doing is simply gazing up at the sky, I'm not being active. He finishes up the, the verses here. Why are you standing there gazing into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken away from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. But don't stand there just gazing at the sky. Jesus is coming back. So get busy. He wants us to be active, worshiping, honoring him, preparing ourselves for his return but also preparing others. We are called to live our lives with truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. We're also called to live our lives with hope. Romans 15.13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all, your, all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And we're called to live our lives with love. 1 Corinthians 13, four through seven. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So even as we may feel persecuted in small ways or, or large ways, we are called to live our lives in such a way that the world will see Christ in us. The truth of Christ, the hope of Christ, the love of Christ. Stories to that of Yah and her faith continue to be lived out worldwide with a hope of life with Jesus for eternity, but also a hope of his presence with us here on earth as we go through the trials and persecutions. And may those stories, as we hear them, be encouragements, but also challenges for us as we follow in our walk daily. And all of this is because of one baby that was sent into this world 2,000 years ago. That little baby in the manger changed this world. He gave his people hope back then. The Messiah has arrived. He gives us hope right now. And he gives us hope at all times, regardless of whether we're distressed or not, within our daily walk, claiming the power and glory of Jesus Christ for life eternal with him.